Listen, you think your house is haunted? Are you surrounded by a vortex of high weirdness? Use the Ghost Vision Viewer to find out if there's any paranormal or supernatural activity going on. Check out the video for yourself, andrewmaincom slash ghostvision. You can get this right on your iPhone or iPod Touch. It has a radar, an imager, a word generator, a PK detector, an arrow, and a yes-no feature. The Ghost Vision Viewer is based on the same kind of random systems parapsychology use to detect paranormal events. And unlike EMF or EVP detectors, it's not prone toward false positives or user interference. Now, there is no credible scientific evidence for the paranormal yet, but you could use the Ghost Vision Viewer to be the first. Check it out, andrewmain.com, or find it on the App Store. Bandwidth for the Weird Things Podcast provided by Wired Tree. For sites of any size and world-class customer service, head on over to wiredtree.com. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another action-packed adventure into all that is strange on Weird Things of the Podcast. Joining me is Mr. Brian Brushwood. I love you guys. Justin Robert Young. I, I love you more than Brian. I was talking Myself, to my testicles. Andrew May. <laughs> I respect you. Are we ready to go, boys and Let's girls? Let's go. I'm ready. Let's get into it. All right, just a, a quick observation here, folks. Uh, we talked a bit about uh, Back to the Future a couple days ago, and uh, I got a little nostalgic, and I went and I watched E.T., and Brian, I want to ask your opinion on this. A lot of talk about E.T.'s, extraterrestrials, et cetera. There was just a discussion with like Matt Ridley and Richard Dawkins about what would E.T. look like, what would an alien look like. And I watched E.T. on DVD, rented it from Netflix, popped it in, watched the movie, and, uh, you know, responded appropriately, enjoyed it, thought I was, was really glad to see him, you know, make his way home. And then I clicked over to the special features and I had to go check to see when his DVD came out because I wanted to find out when these special features came on there because one of the special features they had was a ET interactive tour of the solar system. Okay, go on. With me? Like, was Pluto right. a planet? Is that, is that where this is headed? I, I, Brian, you're a smarter man than I because I didn't even get that far. I go in there and I click in there and there's a there's an image and it shows all the planets all improbably grouped together. And I'm like, all right. So I go click on Jupiter, okay? <laughs> and I hear this voice. <laughs> it's, Jupiter is a gas planet. <laughs> What is this? It was this. It was like in the movie E.T., he never says more than three or four words, right? The extra feature on this DVD was basically somebody had the brilliant idea that, you know, you know what the problem is with education in this country? We don't have. It's taught by native, spe native speakers of English. <laughs> Not even native natives of, of Earth. <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's ET explaining the planets, just reading these like Wikipedia facts or something <laughs> like wait, ah, and I'm like, it may sound like I'm doing a horrible ET, but that was pretty much the level of ET. I'm like, you know what they should have like, done. They should have had Neil Diamond do it, you know. Turn on your heart lights. It would be cool. <laughs> Let it cool. shine wherever you go. I, it was like, you know, it's like the guys who were making a DVD were just walking down some Santa Monica Boulevard and they saw some homeless guy with a cup. He's like, <laughs> Debbie's up, Jay. 
<laughs> and they didn't even check he, his he back sound, on Wikipedia. He sounds like either Tom Waits or Louis Armstrong, but either way, like music should accompany immediately yeah, after he's done talking. <laughs> back to my Neil Diamond theory, dude. It would have been better that way. But all I'm saying is like, I was so, I stopped it. I couldn't, I couldn't answer the Pluto question because I was so disturbed because it's like E.T. <laughs> giving these random facts. And I'm thinking like somebody had this brilliant idea. Like that's what educational television needs is we need, we need to get all these aliens with really broken English skills. Like I say, that's what know? we need to do with public education. We need to take this even <laughs> farther. Like, Calculus like, works this way. Well, <laughs> it's like, it, it, and that was like Yoda was cool to a point. You know, Yoda was really cool to a point. But then it's like in some of the prequels where he just kept talking and talking, and you're like, "Shut up!" Around them a perimeter form. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just think that is the subject will be put at a position awkward for the sentence. Do you understand? Go on too long. <laughs> so I, I, I like to imagine with the et thing it was the same guy who's been making decisions on that franchise since the terrible video game that was famously oh like God, the biggest flop right. in history oh, so it's like man. he gets he gets fired for that and then they're doing the specials it's like you know what we should bring back joe he was a real nice guy <laughs> a lot of ideas bring him back. and he's like oh here's here's uh here's what we do for the special features guys et narrates the guide to the galaxy. Oh, good idea, Joe. Good idea. Yeah. So, uh, and then we have the ET tampon. Uh, (laughs) We'll try the narration. So it was frightening. And I, I, I realized something it's notice how like the more intelligent the alien is, the less able there are to communicate in English. Wait, did you intentionally have really poor grammar when you said that? Because like, I, to make yourself smarter, is that what that was? No. <laughs> did you ever know just that people talk dumb? Just answer the question. Uh, I think this is how Andrew reveals that he is in fact a space alien. <laughs> I'm still waiting for the scenario here. All I know is starting with ET, and we're talking about the Wikipedia. Right, it's not always scenarios. Sometimes it's real. Okay. In this case, so this is real I, life. I, as a guy, understand for a guy that lives his life just absorbed in science fiction and just just in love with just everything, the potential for it. To all of a sudden just be starkly faced with how poorly that could come across. Could we think of some other horrific ideas to how to mix like, you know, science fiction with education? Uh, the Weird Things podcast. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Little English town in the countryside, pastoral meadows and people who have known each other forever. What do you think of when I just said all that stuff? Me? That one of them committed a grisly murder and they're all in on it all of them that's not what this show's about it's called the village swanson you can find it at the village swanson.com or village swanson on twitter it's a comedy show put on by weird things listeners and it's really funny the trailer's up there i laugh check it out the village swanson.com gentlemen brian i want you to imagine 1957 the Red Scare. You're an Air Force pilot. Hula hoops. Okay. You got a cool <laughs> name. You're like Lieutenant. Cigarettes. Separate water fountains. All right. Movie star looks. Rugged, good looking guy. You're flying. Somewhere out towards Arizona. In my right. own, like, like, am I in, I'm in a military craft, obviously. 
You're, you're in a plane, yes. Yeah. Yes, you're an Air Force plane. Okay. And, and I'm and I'm driving it. All right. Plane goes missing. So it's what? I, wait. So I'm just floating in the air, or we're gonna we're gonna jump ahead here, okay? We're, okay. we're using some filmic sort of storytelling. But, but that, now this is like the, the last thing that anybody hears is a radio transmission. This is me, Pilot Brian Brushwood, Brushwood. driving my plane to Arizona. <laughs> there you go. You're flying. Okay. Fifty. You're gone. Plane is gone. Fifty-four days later. You come hobbling into the back country, some national park near Fresno. They've already pronounced you dead. So wait, this is okay. So I was over Arizona, and then we're talking hundreds and hundreds of miles away in Fresno. I come shambling in. You come shambling in. You come shambling in. Okay. Now understand, you've been gone two months. Do I look shaggy? Oh, oh yeah. You're, you're bearded. You're filthy. Clothes are hanging off of you. I yeah. mean, you just look like a man. Oh, yeah. Exactly. A broken <laughs> kind of man. A, what kind of aftershave <laughs> do I have? Is it a manly aftershave? <laughs> Go ahead. Sniff closer. Tell me what you think. So you're, you're all, all this all messed up. Okay. And you're like, yeah, my plane crashed. All right. Now, should people buy this story? I, I mean, can can I point to the wreckage? Surely there'd be like, well, here, you know, here's where my plane crashed. See this well, wing? Yeah, I mean, why, why, this why was my plane's ask, well, wing. Why would you ask Brian that question? I mean, he he obviously he believes he you know crashed the plane. I'm right? asking Brian expects people to believe him. Well, I, I yeah, I don't see why they wouldn't believe me. I mean, I'm I'm alive. I'm here. I mean, I guess right. I guess maybe I could have like landed in Las Vegas, gone on a bender, and then been like. Oh, what? plane that I may have sold to the Russians? Uh, that, that crashed. That crashed. 1957, totally crashed. Brian. That's the thing is you guys say, here's the wreckage, but there's no plane. What? Okay, so I... So it's like, I don't know. This sounds, this sounds fishy already. Like, to me, I'm, I'm down with the Las Vegas theory that gambling debts equals sell the plane, and then you run out to a junkyard, you throw some toasters around, and you're like, it was around here. It was where the plane crashed. So, you're the government. How do you handle this? Justin, how do you handle this? You're, you're, you're this guy. You're the you're government. You're the base commander. And all of a sudden, here goes Brushwood, flies off on right. a plane. Yeah. And so all of a sudden, a week later, he can't produce the wreckage to the plane. A week? No. Two no. months. Two months. Two months. Two months later. Can't produce the wreckage to the plane. Shows up. And here, oh, here I'm calling Brushwood into my office. I want to ask him some so, uh, pilot Brushwood. Driver Brushwood. <laughs> Commander. <laughs> what do you remember of the two months between when you took off to quote unquote, according to the record, drive your plane <laughs> to Arizona and when you were found? Uh, listen, I'm not going to lie. I mean, you know, you crash in the desert. You know, you, you get a little loopy. You know, you walk. I walked across a desert, and I'm just, you know, I'm I'm thankful that I made it, and I made it to my family, and I was able to grow this beard. So you know the exact path in which you walked. Like you could lead us back to presumably where the wreckage was. Ah, uh, yeah. You know, I uh, assuming the wind hasn't blown the foot. Prince away. I mean, we could walk back. I, you know, it was, it was a desert. It was a desert. Hey, we traced over, Commander. We found nothing. 
So, two months, you're gone. You don't see anybody, but yet you survive. Because if you were out there in a desolate area with a crashed craft, I, I was you would either snakes. be dead or you would run into somebody within two months. Uh, it's 1957. Wouldn't it stand to reason? Would what stand to reason? That you would either, one of two things would happen. You'd run into somebody or you'd die. If it was so desolate that you couldn't find anybody, you'd be dead. Or are you, so here are the, uh, here are the, here are the problem here. Here, 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 uh, <laughs> driver brush. <laughs> taking away your lieutenant title. Here's, here's the little fact behind this, okay? Air Force Lieutenant David Steves, 1957, May 9th. Piloting a T-33 training jet took off from Hamilton Air Force Base near San Francisco on a flight to Arizona. Then vanished. No sign of him at all. Gone. Days went by. Weeks went by. They flew over. Traced the path. Nothing. At that point, they're like, guy's dead. Gotta be dead. If he's not dead, worst case scenarios, he flew to Mexico, sold the plane to the Russians. Right. All right, but this is a training plane. I mean, the tactical value is not so great, I would imagine. No, no, I don't know. I, I, I mean, our training planes are often just a, a T-33. Like at that point, there's probably a lot of stuff and materials on that the Russians would want. I mean, again, it was new then. Jets were still, jet technology was still pretty good. The power plants and stuff like on there could be very useful to the yeah, Russians. Right, so, okay, but right, I, yeah, no, here, if, I, if I'm going to go to Comrade Maine and say, hey, buddy, I got a uh, training plane. You want to buy it? Like, what is he going to say? No. Well, yeah, but... but uh, I don't know. What are you going to get for it? Look, I mean, I, I think Maybe he's got a drug problem. I think it's you much got a drug more problem, Brushwood. Why do you call flying driving? <laughs> yeah, I, I think it is much more likely. So, I mean, this guy just went AWOL and he did it at a time, you know, that's an unusual time when he was flying a plane and was supposed to be on a mission. I say, you know, he on a lark went and landed it at his friend's farm and they went on a two month <laughs> bender. And then he, you know, left the plane in the barn because he didn't want to get in trouble. So wait, that, that's a plausible scenario to you? Like he lands his plane at his friend's house. Hide my plane. I want to go to like, Taiwan on. Hey, man, what do you want to do, bro? What I don't it? know. Let's get wasted. Why does all I'm saying is why does it immediately have to be the Russians? I'm just well, saying. Like, remember, been, like, let's, I, I know, like, I know I next to nothing that. about aviation, but a plane like that, you got to assume it's going to have modern avionics and stuff. In 1957, you know what a Russian transistor looked like? They didn't have it, Brian. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it was a pile of sauerkraut. That's what they had. Okay. So there was and a value. sack full of tears, and the All sack right. was made of burlap. So, okay. Okay. so the it official didn't even story hold is the tears very well. Like, like this guy. What, what does this guy say happened during that two? He months? says. He says. He comes out. He says, "Listen, plane had. I heard a exploding sound. Popped out of my. You know, popped the hook canopy. Ejected with my parachute." I landed, the plane crashed, I survived. For two months, they do teach these pilots survival training. He survived, he hunted, he did whatever he could to this survive. A, a mountainous region, right? Yeah, mountains region, which meant mountains and trees, and things you find in mountainous regions. Eventually, he stumbled into some sort of camp in the backcountry. And like everybody thought he was like, they thought he was dead or a traitor at this point. His wife has like moved on, his very, very hot wife, by the way. Whoa! And and is then, that on the record? Yeah, <laughs> the official <it's> record. <laughs> but the 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 offending uh, officer's milf was not available for questioning. True fact. Uh, you know, he was only like twenty three too. So they're like like whatever, and they go look for the plane. No plane, and so it but was one is, of the same. This is before GPS. This is before satellite. I mean, it could, why couldn't they have just not seen it, not found it? Two months. 
stuff could overgrow. I don't know. Well, the problem, I, I, I think you're, you're handling it in a very rational way. But uh, apparently uh, other people were skeptical of it. And his response to it was a little bit weird. When asked about it, uh, said uh, basically said, uh, you know, you can believe whatever you want to believe. Dude, this, this, my bender theory is looking really good. Because that's like, that's what you do when you know you've been a bad boy. You're like, hey, man, you believe whatever you want to be. You believe I went to that strip club? I, you know what? You're so irrational, I can't even talk to you. You believe what you want to believe. So you're saying that that you know this pilot just treated the media and the United States military like an irrational girlfriend? <laughs> I've seen weirder things. I don't know. So he got a uh, movie deal first because he comes out of there, a handsome guy comes walking out of the forest like, yeah, survived. And so like, you know, they wanted a movie deal, Saturday Evening Post, you know, you know was interested in this. And they waited for the snow to melt, and then the snow melted, and they tried to follow the trail where he came from. They couldn't find it. His story was a little inconsistent. Things began to follow through, and people started claiming maybe it was a hoax. I didn't Middle know. of the Cold War. I didn't know that that was a thing that was happening in the 1950s, the fact that like you know something crazy happens and you get money as a movie deal. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's almost yeah. easier to do it then. Yeah. Yeah, because apparently you could just claim, ah, the wreckage is under the snow. I didn't even think about that. That's amazing. <laughs> well, I mean, just you know, there's less, you know, there's less big news stories. You know, there's more. When, when a news story hit big back then, it hit way more universally big than it did now. So this whole shadow falls over his entire career, resigns from the Air Force, loses his very, very hot wife, still flies some. In 1965, he was killed in a private plane he was flying crashed and then he died and there's this doubt this this asterisk by his name unless he's still alive waiting to come out yeah. of the forest yet again no he was dead it's his gimmick then, he's like my problem is that i waited not long so enough. his so his story though was one of these things he's what happened what happened was he a traitor did he sell it did he go to mexico then you know try and come back in and like oh i lost the plane then in 1978 some boy scouts were out near an area where he had ejected and found the canopy of the airplane with the no serial number that matched. No way. Okay, 13 years after the guy died. No way. Like, Still haven't found the rest of the wreckage, but you know, a small plane like that could be lost anywhere. Dude, that's all it takes is a canopy. He didn't walk out with a canopy and deposit it there to back up his story. Or else, I mean, if he did, he would have led people to it. Yeah. yeah, he certainly wouldn't have done all that work and be like, what, you can't find it? Well, maybe I'm a liar. You believe what you want. You believe, exactly. you believe whatever you want. Why are you going to get on my case, U.S. military? <laughs> I just like to drive planes. <laughs> I so, just got to drive. Dude, that sucks. That sucks. So it, this guy's a genuine hero, and they couldn't find the evidence to back it up, and this guy's just hosed in the history books. Looks like a fraud. And, and, and the fact that he was so cool about it, that's the rugged kind of man that you had back in the 1950s. He'd be like, hey, what? You think I'm a fraud? Whatevs. You believe what you want to believe. That's unreal. Yeah, it is. So, Air Force Lieutenant David Steves, plane driver. <laughs> we salute you. Yeah, you yeah. vindicated. No, we also, and, and I'll tell you what, on weirdthings.com, we have the, the link to the LA Times article, which kind of chronicles this. But, like, literally, the rise and fall of this guy is heartbreaking. It's, it is everything that you would think of. Movie deals, book deals, 
uh, yes, like Angela's super hot wife, and then it all piece by piece, brick by brick, gets taken away in the most violent way possible. None of it his fault. None of it his fault. <clears throat> no, no, the guy was a hero. Let me tell you a little something about a man named Adam C. Smith. Right, you can follow him, Adam C. Smith, on Twitter. You might know him as slightly used commenter NSFW chat room and the Weird Things website. Huge fan of the Major League Soccer team, the Sounders, the Seattle Sounders, writing currently, as I record this, a five-game winning streak, which will surely be snapped because they're playing tonight. You won't hear this until after the game's over. And I'm a major jinx. And the city of Seattle is going to blame me, personally. But he's awesome. So Adam C. Smith, follow him on Twitter, especially if you like soccer. You're into weird things. That Venn diagram, the little gray area, between uh, American professional soccer fan and weird things podcast listener, I like to call it the Adam C. Smith sliver. Check him out. Justin. Yo! You're a journalist, right? Uh, uh, allegedly. I mean, you consider yourself a truth finder, fact finder. I, I would say I was um, educated for it, and I have sometimes been employed to do it. If Including now. I said, right now... Oh, wait, hold on a second. Uh, did you hear that? Whoa. Somebody that- knocked at the door? Yes, something knocked at... Let me go look over here. Hold on. Let me go open up my shutters. Hold on. Well, I didn't know there was a door next to your computer. Hold well, on. By the microphone. Hold on, guys. Give me a second. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. You're not going to believe... Hold on. Apparently guys, you're not going to believe this. Old-timey police came calling. What's up? What's what? up, Why? Andrew? Why? What is it, Andrew? <laughs> there is a unicorn at my door. As you may have heard from the knocking, that was a unicorn. Very, unicorn very... No- what did the unicorn knock with? Delightfully, what? he used his horn. He Justin. used his alicorn. Yeah, of course. Exactly. Duh. His alicorn. Yeah, duh. The alicorn, of course. That's how he knocked they're, they're, on the they're door. Are they that reckless with it? Did you have one? Dude, it's made uh, of unicorn alicorn, which, as we well, all Justin, know, is very strong stuff. All right? Exactly. That's exactly made from children's tears. Justin, do you want to come over and take a look at it? I do. Brian does. Justin, are you going to come I'll over and I'll drive down it? right now. Sure, yeah, no. I'll Two and a half I'll hours. Let's go. Yeah. You would you would come okay, Brian, you'd come from Orlando to come look at it. Oh, absolutely. Yes. I mean if if you pinky all it would take is a verbal pinky promise that Andrew Maine swears there's an actual unicorn that's worth me driving two and a half hours down, then I'm there. Done. No, well why don't you tweet me a picture? Just text me a picture right now. Well, hold on. You know, the, I got the, the new iPhone update, and every time I get the camera started, he gets shy and he runs away. The but, unicorn's that spry? Okay, well, like, like right, let's like send you a photo of a, a freaking unicorn, okay? So you come over. You're not going to come over until I give you the pictures, is that what you're saying? No, I'm, I, I'm very curious. I want, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see Brian, it. Brian, my true friend, was willing to drive down from Orlando in Dude, the middle of the night. Pinky to he promised. He pinky yeah. promised that it's worth coming down and that it's an actual unicorn. So sure. All right. Also so Brian, would you have come from Austin to go do that? I mean... At that point, I'm going to ask you, like, you know, I'm, at this point, we're like, okay, okay, okay. Is it a living unicorn? Is it is it as big <laughs> well, as it a was horse? when he knocked on my door? But <laughs> <laughs> is it as big as a as a horse? Is it bigger than me? Is it made of flesh? It's not ceramic. And then it becomes twenty questions. 
Okay, but you're, I mean, you're, you're willing to commit. There is your, you have a sliding scale there, all right? Oh, yeah, look, look, yeah, no, like, no lie. Not like if, Justin, if you, who's like, oh, I'm not going to drive the mile until you send me a photo that you can use. No, it's, photo. listen, I'm I not mean, saying that I won't, because I probably will drive the mile to come see whatever you is have. It a, I like that. I just yeah, want to see a picture. I might, I probably will drive the mile to go see the wonder of the universe, the most important scientific discovery ever yeah i probably would. No, I, I don't get why this is unreasonable why i can't get a picture of your gd unicorn is it uh is it like a you know one of those um antelope and you just cut off one of its horns and i'm gonna All show right. up and it's just got one horn <laughs> you're just gonna look at me and shake your head <laughs> <laughs> you're like look hey, <laughs> he's real brian he's real brian <laughs> you're like Oh God! And you just you like I didn't even bother hiding the other horn. I just sort of shoved it behind like my picnic <laughs> table or something. Or behind the, it's behind the your back grill. the whole time. I'm like, what's you behind just, your back? Nothing. There's Nothing. the saw sitting in the corner. Like Brian, it's a wonder. <laughs> so so uh, Brian's a little bit more forward on this, even though Justin's a journalist who's attracted. What if I said, listen, guys, last night. I was sitting out on my patio for no apparent reason, and I saw a pair of yellow eyes peek over the fence, and I ran up to the fence, and I looked, and I saw this big shape lumbering away. How big? I'd buy it. Seven foot. Uh, oh, I mean, I believe you believe that that's what you saw, sure. So we'd go on a stakeout, you'd help me out, and be like, guys, let's do a sleepover and go wait for him to come back. Uh, I mean, it depends on what I got on my agenda, my, my calendar, but, you know, maybe, sure. Right, all right. What if What if I said, hey, I saw some friends of mine saw him. Do you want to go look for him? Uh, I mean, how much you, is this friend Justin Robert Young? Because that's going to impact things. See, <laughs> no, now, I, I, I would say that, like, at that point, as soon as we start getting farther and farther away from the primary source, the story has to get more interesting. Okay. Like, well, Bigfoot, Bigfoot's not going to do it for me. Well, no, 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 because you didn't describe Bigfoot. You described eyes and what looked to you like a gigantic figure walking away. That could be a million different things. It could be a Yeti, you are correct. It could be a uniformed, uh, uniformed, a unicorn. A uniformed unicorn? That's a great So let's have a, you know, let's say an acquaintance, somebody, actual professor at a university, okay, says, hey, we, we've got sightings. Do you want to come investigate? Are you coming? Uh, I mean, is what it university? a community college or... Um, no, it's a college. It's in a community. <laughs> <laughs> like, I mean, I mean, help me out. Give me, I need more specifics here. This is too general. Uh, well, I'm saying, would you come help track down Bigfoot with me? Uh, it's big. So in all these scenarios you're in, is that, is that where we're being led to believe? Where I'm at? What? In all these scenarios, from you being the primary thing to it being a friend to it being a, uh, a colleague. In, in this scenario. You are, you, are, you are in. You're asking for me and Brian. Yeah, I'm in. Awesome. I'm in. I'm in. Okay. I mean, look, if you're yeah. in, I'll go along for the ride. I mean, okay. we've and certainly done weirder things on the live investigation. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, I, oh, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm obviously in since I've, I've physically made this decision already. Yeah. <laughs> and, we've, and we streamed it on the internet. What if it was in another country? Ah. Uh, that, but we could know. do a Kickstarter. We could ask our fans or supporters out there. We okay, have a no, lot of Kickstarter, listeners out there. If they're paying for us to go, okay, sure. Why not? Yeah, go. Okay. Like, what if it's in China? 
Yeah, no, no, no. I got nothing. Yeah, no, that'll be fine. What if the Hubei Wild Man Research Association in China's Hubei province announced they're recruiting researchers from all around the world to join its team in relaunching the search for Bigfoot creatures in the Shanonong Forest region? Did you just Would trick you- us into committing to go on this, <laughs> this, this horse chase? Come on, there was no, man. There was no trickery. Come on. Lao Baoxing, vice president of the Hubei Wild Man Research Association, told Jinhao, China's state-run news agency, that team members must be in good physical health. That's us. Between 25 and 45, that's us, and we must be devoted. There will be a lot of hard work involved. I don't know what that means when an Asian person tells a white person there's going to be a lot of hard work involved. Yeah, it's like you got to re you got to reevaluate the terminology. That's just like, you know, a level of commitment and effort that you have never experienced in your soft Western life is what I'm they're planning. <laughs> they're planning an expedition, guys. They're gonna now, the, research, the search is, is going to cost in Bigfoot. That's how it goes. It's going to cost $1.5 million. I don't think we have to bring all of that money, but maybe we should do a Kickstarter thing. <laughs> and, and they've said they found hair, footprints, and a sleeping nest. But it's oh, been hair, a they say. Well, then by all means, let's hop on a plane. Oh, well, look at you, skeptical <laughs> Sally. I'm just saying, we got. if you want hair, look, I can get you hair. I can get you hair by the end of the day with nail polish. I'm saying, I'm saying, I'm saying we can get Bigfoot air right here in the good old U.S. of A. And we don't have to travel halfway around the world for it. No, there's some going. See, here's the thing with with this guy. And let's say that, you know, Bigfoot, they're saying Bigfoot like creatures. They're saying it's the wild man. It's not how we necessarily understand the, the North American Bigfoot to be. But let's say they got something out there. Uh, China's a really large, large place. But maybe uh, things haven't been explored. That's just Western well. propaganda. That is just so insensitive and racist yeah, yeah, for yeah, you try, to say stop that. Stop trying to put your values on them. Yeah. All right. <laughs> I'm just saying that maybe in their form of resource allocation, hunting for Bigfoot has not been a gigantic priority. And there's well, something there that is outside what we would think would be around in North America. Now, that's America. interesting because it seems like every continent has their own version of Bigfoot. And I wonder if it's a case where it's like, like, but has every continent experienced their own version of Bigfoot mania? Like, are, like we're kind of over Bigfoot here in the U.S., um, you know, outside of like, you know, really exciting things like when they claim to have them frozen on ice a couple of years ago. But it's like. In China, do they? Is that a big deal? They have yeah, they've Bigfoot got hunters? their wild man and your Yaren or whatever it's called. So I'm, I'm just saying, can I get some conf- vote of confidence here? Maybe. Yeah, look, look here's what it boils down to. If you're going, I'm going. Let's go. All right. Thank you, Brian. I'm in. Hey, wait. Right. I'm in, guys. Hey, me too, right? Hey. Yeah. So, Brian, let's say we're on this Bigfoot expedition. And maybe a couple weeks go by and we don't hear anything. All right, and then somebody says, "Nah, no sign of Bigfoot yet. He's just proven really elusive." And then somebody says, "Hey guys, you want to know where you really can find Bigfoot?" We're like, "Where? Siberia?" (laughs) Okay. Yeah. No. No. (laughs) Like, listen. Does this person look suspiciously like Justin Robert Young, but like with a rice, (laughs) with 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 one of those rice gathering hats on? Oh, oh, Brian. Racist. Why is that racist? That's what I. That's what I would imagine you'd wear in uh, in in rural China. Yeah, oh, figures. The rural Chinese person hat. 
So uh, do we do we take a little side trip to Siberia? Because we heard reports I, of oh it. Oh my god! Is uh, this is killing me? It's, look, I, I've been away from my family for so long. I mean, I love you, Andrew. But yeah, well, uh, how long? How long we've been out? Man, I don't know, eight hours. <laughs> <laughs> you know, already I'm thinking I got to get back. I was supposed to watch the I'm final like, season of The Wire. I mean, I'm trying I'm like, to get caught up. I'm like Brian. We watch it on the plane. It's a long plane ride. I'm like Brian. It's 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 actually short right. no, on this yeah, way yeah, back. Yeah, no, you're right. You're right. It's just a few more. Yeah, no, let's go to Siberia. Come on. Because you're going to like, you'll be like, no, nah, I got to go see my family. I'm like, yeah, yeah, you have your whole life to see these kids. Do you want to go home sure. and then find out that like, you know, Justin and I met up with. Yeah. When Russian you go home and see Bigfoot. your daughter, do you want to be some guy that went on a wild goose chase? Or you want to be the yeah. man who found Bigfoot? Yeah. When she looks into your eyes and says, daddy, did you find him? <laughs> what are you going <laughs> to say? That's what my daughter really cares about. Well, I'm going to tell you what, you're going to look like the biggest loser in the world or you're going to be the biggest hero. There's no, no you're right. Let's get freaking Siberia it up. Let's go. It's it's so winter, right? So I got to I got to get some clothes that are colder. So we go to Siberia. All right. We got some other expeditions. Now we're on the Siberian expedition. And thanks to our supporters for supporting us through Kickstarter. Um, Deep and, pockets. And, and like maybe we're looking for, uh, you know, maybe they could be Bigfoot, could be Yeti. We're kind of trying to get a concrete definition. I mean, they're here. all just different names for the same dude. He's covered in hair and looks that like a man. That is racist. That is absolutely <laughs> no, racist. It's the opposite okay? of racist. I'm saying we're all the. Oh, man, you guys are killing me. All right, go on. Denying somebody's <laughs> cultural heritage. So, so we're up there. We're looking around. And maybe we find some traces. Like we see some big logs piled against each other. And, and Russian guy, Justin, do the Russian accent. Explain to us this is what Yetis do. Nikolai. You, you see, the um, Yeti comes down from hill and, uh, you know, it makes Yeti um, uh, with the forest. All right, so <laughs> Justin, yeah, Justin. Yeti with the forest? So, so Justin, uh, you, you know where the story is going. So I'm going to ask you some questions here, okay? Dumb. Uh, what did you call me? Uh, so, uh, where uh, Brian and I and, and 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 our buddy Justin, we've been on this this trip for a while. And although Justin's been shot three times with tranquilizer darts because they've mistaken him for a juvenile yeti, we we haven't seen a yeti yet. Uh, why why haven't we seen a yeti yet? Uh, yeti, you will not see here. And uh, yeti, um, forest fire comes to a forest. And uh, yet he migrate. Uh, how you say? Um, moves downhill. Oh, so he's not so here. We got to go somewhere else to find the yeti. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, you need to leave here. I know you do not worry. I put you in touch with my brother Olaf. Olaf, he puts you up uh, where yeti is downhill. All right, so we, we go talk to Olaf, and we're like, so my what name it- is Olaf. <laughs> so Olaf. Uh, so Olaf. Uh, so, uh, where, where, what are the Yetis doing right now? You, um, um, the, how you say, fight, claw, make blood of bear. <laughs> what? Bear, bear war. Hold on. Okay. So first of all, we, we have on second hand reports traveled all the way to China, gone up to Siberia. And now we're in some other part of, I assume it with the name like Olaf, maybe in Scandinavia. And now we're hearing reports that Yeti is wrestling bears. Um, how you say not wrestle? Um, war? Are they at war? Make make war murder. Uh, <laughs> take claw into face. 
Rip Face Off, um, Nicolas Cage, John Travolta, <laughs> wear each other's faces, war between Yeti and Bear. Okay, wait a minute. Do, do, uh, and I can tell that you guys know the story, but I don't. But it's like, are you telling me they have like bears whose faces are ripped off by a Yeti? Because I'm no, all, all of his wild life. imagination. Uh, simply war between Yeti and Bear. <laughs> oh my God. So, Brian. You almost had uh, me on a plane to Siberia at this exact moment. <laughs> you tell well, me Brian, that you have bears with their faces ripped off and what look like <laughs> ye- Brian, Yeti. Nobody is saying that hasn't happened yet. Okay, well. Okay. Apparently, an expedition in Siberia, not to be confused with the Chinese expedition, was in search of trying to find some Yetis. And they had a problem because forest fires went through there and all the Yetis left. The Yetis then went into another region where they came in conflict with the bears. And I swear to you, this is true. You can find this on weirdthings.com. And this is from the credible source, the voice of Russia. And the Yetis and bears have been fighting in battle. And they have proof that the Yetis are there because sometimes they find these strange pyramid constructions of branches and wood that they say that only a Yeti could do this because a human couldn't. It's why Yetis have civilization and we don't, apparently. Um, and but the thing is, these Brian, unless you think these residents aren't very skeptical, they've seen them with their own eyes, and they are careful not to mistake them for wood goblins. <laughs> I'm okay, so so we definitely wow. know for a fact they're not wood goblins. Okay, because well, I'm gonna no, tell you this much if I fly halfway around the world to see a Yeti. <laughs> And it turns out to be an effing wood goblin. Oh, you understand. I'm out of there. Wood goblin is the master of all. Okay, quote, wood goblin is master of all the woods. All animals, even bears, submit to him. The wood goblin has strong hypnotic power, thus he is not afraid of any animal. Hmm. So, you see, scientists think these ancient beliefs do have some grounding. It seems that today, yetis in Siberia are competing with bears and the yetis are winning. They're obviously, this is, this is, by the way, this is AP format written as fact. They're obviously stronger and have rudimentary intellect. If this war between yetis and bears continues, there is a risk that bears will not sleep this winter. And because of shortage of food, instead of going to village in search of something to eat. So when, oh, they will go to villages. Yeah. So yeah. So when, when, oh, you're saying that when the yeti will come to the villages and eat your children. No, no, the bears will come. The well, yetis, if, if the yetis eat all the bear food. I see, I see, I see. Bears won't sleep. Bears come into village. Look at this. So to prevent this, the authorities, the local authorities there have taken upon themselves to organize bear feeding. See, that's perfect, though, because it's like when the bears show up, that's proof that Yeti and bear war is at an all-time high. Well, yeah, but like I said, now they're going to feed the bears human food directly to prevent any tragedy (laughs) from happening. Well, thank goodness. you got to take a side. (laughs) These are very rational people here. They've already Olaf has organized food drop. To make sure bear get fed, so bear uh, stout for the yeti war. <laughs> it gets better. It gets better. The local this is written, again. This is written as fact. The local residents have already found a common language with the yetis. They leave candies for them and communicate with them mentally. <laughs> yetis are believed to be telepathic. And he says. Uh, Igor I want writes, the last month of my life back, Andrew Maine. I'm cold, <laughs> Igor writes, standing in the middle of Siberia, and I can't believe you started me off with the promise of a unicorn, and now I'm standing <laughs> talking to some hairy Russian named Olaf. 
I'm out. And we're get, and we're and it's like what I love of this story is like and again we'll, we have the link on our site. This is reported as fact, and it ends. It starts off with another expedition, and it ends with villagers giving yetis candy, communicating with them <laughs> telepathically. And wood goblins. <laughs> Not unlike the. And by segment. the way, just just as Brian's about to leave, all of a sudden you hear in a frequency you've never understood or thought possible before, a voice whispering directly into your brain saying, "Hey, hey, man, um, don't leave. You got any like melonators? Candies yeah. on you? You want to like leave before me on the rock? <laughs> it's like I hear like, like, in my ear. <laughs> it's like, oh no, 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 no. Like, to me, it's, like, uh, it's a Yeti. I'm, I've been." Following you around, but but you had some candy, so I wanted to see if I could get that from you. Uh, yet he's yet he's like a hey man, you uh you holding? You got that? <laughs> Sorry, this this Russian candy sucks, dude. You get you get that you got that USA? You got the WMD? <laughs> got, got got that USA USA? He's like, <laughs> turns out he's selling. He's not even buying at this point. He's got so much. <laughs> but Brian, like, I, I, I want you to get man. I, Come I, on. I, I want you to do your thumbnail description when you come back all scruffy looking and Bonnie picks you up at the airport and she asks you what happened. Uh, well, it starts off. I was driving my plane over Arizona. <laughs> <laughs> how the Yeti she's and you got to start. It starts off with like how the Yeti hunt go retard. And then you got to explain wood goblins, psychic. No, you know, I why don't. you ended no, up I in don't. Siberia. I don't have to any of that. All I have to explain is my very poor choice in trusting Andrew Maine. That's all I have to explain. <laughs> this is the thanks I get when I want to just bring to you enjoyment and share with you the wonders of the world and make you sure you're there firsthand. Look, man, I'm not going to blame you for asking me out on the limb that you're on. I am going to blame you when you saw it off. So we both go crashing to the ground. <laughs> And then you had to follow it up with, oh, yeah, by, uh, by the way, my new friend Olaf is going to be staying with us in Orlando. He's going to want to see Halloween. Party nice. up, guys. He's like, he's like, are you sure that's Olaf? That looks like Justin Robert Young with a Russian hat on. They all look, they all look like Justin Robert Young with a Russian hat on. You know, I, I was told the Halloween Horror Nights, they have a chainsaw and a scary house. <laughs> He gets to see a chainsaw off the first time. You know, he's had one, and but he sees the one at Halloween Horror Nights, and you turn it on, and he's like, what's that noise? He's very scary here, but uh, no no economy. I no understand. <laughs> this is, uh, you know, it, uh, uh, like 25% scary as wood goblin. Yes. <laughs> How metal is Brad Ardley? Brad Ardley is like a regal buck befitted with animantium horns running headlong into a fireball being breathed by a dragon who's playing the electric guitar. That's how metal Brad Ardley is. Follow him, Brad, A-R-D-L-E-Y, and more specifically, go to bradardley.smugmug.com to see his metal photographs. He takes awesome pictures of live bands, and they are sick. Help out of Weird Things. Go check out his work. Boom. Brad Ardley. Metal! Hey, Brian, are you near a window? Yes, I am, actually. Could you just real quick? I, I need to do me a favor. I want you to get up. Not going to lie. You- I'm terrified I'm going to, like, pull the shade aside, and you're going to actually <laughs> I wish we were that, that in okay, the long-term I'm, I'm, Yeah, I'm, I'm right at the window. All right, look up. What do you see? Above the window? 
in, in the sky. Oh, oh, hold on. Let me actually, above the window, what? the window frame. What, no, that's why I was what do you see? Yeah. The curtains. Hold the shades aside. And, I'm looking <laughs> up and I guess I see clouds. They're clouds up above. Do you see any, I don't know, like the X-37B space plane? No. Is it out? Go, go look again. Go look again. Are you serious? Yes. You want me to actually, I'll walk outside and look up in the sky right now. You want me to do that? Yes, please. Okay. All right. No, on. come on. What? What do you mean I'll come on? Is that I'll come I on mean, like yes, trust go us? out there and go look for okay, it. Okay, I'm going right now. I'm going right Why? now. Hold on. And then we'll go to Siberia. I'm leaving all this in, by the way. Of course you should. What Brian doesn't know is that nobody has been able to spot the X-37B <laughs> space plane. It's gone missing. Again. I saw Orion and some clouds. No X-37B space plane? No, and I, and I didn't hear anything either. Well, apparently, listening. the X-37 space plane, which launched earlier this year, okay, which periodically goes missing. As amateur astronomers were able to track this thing. This was this top-secret Air Force thing launched atop a rocket. It's a space plane, cutting-edge technology. Some astronomers were able to track this thing. They saw it orbiting. Then all of a sudden, it went away. Nobody knew where it went. And then it showed up again, which suggested this thing was changing orbit. And that's a really useful thing to have have work for a space plane is the ability to like change your orbit because if you watch enough tom clancy movies you know the terrorists keep track of when the satellites are overhead and that's when they go inside hmm. right okay so now x-37b space plane's gone missing hasn't reappeared wait well, the assumption all right, all right, first of all who's is is this a, an american space plane air or? force air force yeah air right. force air and force, when you yeah. say space plane like you're talking orbit or or how high up does it go well, it's launched from a rocket, okay? I so see. it has a ro rocket, takes it up, ejects from the rocket, goes into orbit, changes its orbit, moves around. Wait, you can see how do I not know this? How, like, I'm into science and I'm into space. How do I not know that we have a space plane? How do, why? Well, is it is a I top secret space plane, Brian. All right, all right. Yes, all right. and it certainly hasn't been covered several times on weird things. Okay, <laughs> well, clearly I'm not reading enough weird things. Because so, it's like, all right, go ahead. So, yeah, so now the space plane's gone, which could mean one of three things. It's changed its orbit again. How do you know it's gone, though? It's top secret. Well, no, well, it's just people, people can't see it because oh, amateur astronomers have been able to track it, and then it switched uh, orbits, so they couldn't find it for a little while. They found it again, and now it has again uh, disappeared from view. Which leaves right. us with four theories. I know I just said three, but now I have four. Changed orbit. We just haven't found out where it is. It's not a big thing, but, you know, it's big enough that somebody could spot it eventually. Right. Changed orbit. It landed. Like it was or done. Yeah. It's done. It just landed or maybe has some sort of invisibility shield suggested by the crackpot Justin Robert Young. Whoa. <laughs> or Whoa. maybe blew up, destroyed, or maybe it's on some secret outer space mission. But anyhow, this thing may have landed already and nobody knew. Wait, that was like three theories. What's the fourth? Invisibility shield. Oh, yeah. Landed. Got it. Wait. And top uh, secret, changed orbit. I never heard blow it up as one of the theories. Though. No, I did. Did it blow up on oh, entry? Okay. Blow it up. Yeah. Blow it up. We 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 taking bets? No, I <laughs> don't. We're gonna, we gonna so. open things up here. We got what's the spread? What's the spread on blowed up versus outer space? Well, uh, if, I, if I'm going to handicap them, uh, I have landed 
at uh, one to two. I have changed orbits at one to three. I have invisibility shield at, at one to ten and blown up on reentry is off the board. What about wood goblins? <laughs> blown up they are the most is powerful the and respected of all the woodland creatures. <laughs> they do have control over all others. <laughs> They're using wood Even goblins yetis. to keep it invisible. <laughs> <laughs> Did you ever see that that onion post way back in the day about the Russians in in the their contribution to the International Space Station? No. no. What, what was it? <laughs> I want to get this right. Um I'm pulling it up. And uh, it was uh, Russians have almost finished carving their section of the International Space Station. It's a bunch of guys with axes over a wooden log. <laughs> now, how is it that you call me a racist for saying that 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 just Robert Young was wearing the types of hat that they wear in rural China? And because then it doesn't make it any you, better if you repeat it, Brian. That's uh, because Andrews is fun and cheeky. Yours is just mean. <laughs> yeah. It's not mean. I'm saying you're dressed like they dress in rural China. We're all wincing right now as you say that. Just so you know. Everybody listening. It's just uh, like a sour lemon face. Yeah, I'm sorry. Here's the headline. And this is this is how long ago. This was 1998. Russian scientists announced six-month delay in carving new space stations. <laughs> See, that's funny. See, that's funny. <laughs> You're laughing at that. Their technology is fantastic. They're the leaders Brian, of the space race. Come you know, on. Brian, you know, you want to know why I'm laughing, Brian? Okay. Why? Okay. I'm I'm laughing because They're silly people. Because we have to hire them now to get into space because we're ending our own space program. But if it wasn't for private enterprise. Well, that's what I'm saying. I know. Apparently, a major setback occurred two days later when a pair of vagrants jimmied open the lock on the space station's main <laughs> entry hap and spent the night in it. They urinated all over the place, Chief Engineer Talgat Masbai said. This created serious problems as the floor had not yet been varnished and sealed. All right. All right. Are we done? Are you requested- done mocking the Russians <laughs> 10 years ago? I'm, I'm mocking the point when we could mock. Uh, they requested an additional $3 in expenses <laughs> to purchase a pine-scented bathroom spray. <laughs> <laughs> who wrote that it was the onion no i mean but like what person decided that was okay God, so in 1998 it was funny hmm. Hmm. It's still not so funny. funny now is it well yeah, no more space shuttle as, as we beg for permission to use their you know wooden spacecraft <laughs> so i used but with a zero failure rate on that note though uh on the exciting part of space travel though SpaceX is going to be testing. SpaceX is going to be awesome. You're floating around with your bodies. Absolutely. I mean, it is. Uh, And the way you're going to have SpaceX, Brian, is on board the SpaceX spacecraft. Uh, Oh, okay. That makes more sense. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, no, SpaceX is 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 amazing. And, and you know, I think was it last the last Coral Sagan day, uh, in down here in South Florida, there was a speaker from NASA who uh, was, you know, basically talking about how the most exciting and now apparently the only activity down there, uh, you know, after we shut down their space program, uh, is gonna be SpaceX. It's just they're super awesome. Well, they've got SpaceX, which was started by Elon Musk of Tesla and PayPal and fame of other great endeavors. 
as as we all remember, had its successful launch not too long ago, which showed their rocket platform was successful. They've got their first scheduled International Space Station resupply flights coming up in next year, 2011. Wait, so like SpaceX has the contract to go resupply the, the ISS? Yes. Yes. Dude, that's awesome. That's that's the moment. That's the moment I've been waiting for is when finally private industry catches up and runs ahead. You know, and this is on the news too that we just had this week where Virgin Galactic test flow, test flow, test drove, test drove, test drove their new spaceship too, which is what's going to carry people up into space. And that seems to be on target. And now if you go look, if you go to SpaceX.com, that's... <laughs> For those of you not, Brian Brushwood, SPACX.com. Floating around, no bed springs. You can see their manifest. And they show you when all the scheduled flights are. Now, one of the things exciting is you got next year, they're doing resupply flights. This is a private company, as Brian's pointed out. I know, it's got to be private when you're up there doing it. Maybe everybody gets to watch the show like Moonraker. So they've got coming (laughs) up in in 2012. In 2012, Brian. Okay. Do you know what's going to happen then? Yeah, the world blows up, and we're going to be having SpaceX. And then what happens? I don't know. We run out of oxygen, and we say, you want to do it one more time? So (laughs) they've got their own Dragon Lab, their own mobile space laboratory platform that's going to go up in 2012. What? Oh, yeah. When do we get a space elevator? That's what I want to know. Hey, you know what? It's going to happen from guys like this making it happen, Brian. Yeah. We can't wait for government to come in and give us a space elevator. That ain't going to happen. You said government. That's awesome. Yeah, government ain't going to give you no space elevator, Brian. <laughs> oh, my God. Could that be our first Weird Things t-shirt? <laughs> government ain't going to give you no Government ain't going to give you no space elevator, Brian. <laughs> we need to work it. We need you to become an entrepreneur, Brian. We need you to become a successful multi-gazillionaire. <laughs> Not going to happen, dude. Yeah. I mean, I'll do my best, and then we'll go to Siberia because I'll keep trusting you. There you go. So uh, if you look at their heavy, I'm sorry, I'm looking here. All right. So if you want to do a payload flight on their Falcon 9 heavy lift, which will take you to, I think it'll do low Earth orbit, only $95 million. $95 million. All right. I'll get on that. Let's let's do some math. Let's just start a Kickstarter. Let's try this. If every listener gave us $10,000, we could do it. Listen, I got to imagine every one of our listeners probably has that much they can put on a credit card. (laughs) We could do this tomorrow. We could do this. We could buy our own single payload mission. Dude, all you need to do is max out your credit card. Give it to us. Declare for bankruptcy. Bada bing, bada boom. You're a shareholder in our space company. And you know what? We'll let you name our mission. By which I yep. mean our mission will have like 10,000 words associated with it. <laughs> Bill Meeks, awesome, Delahanty, <laughs> <laughs> Rabbit Badger, <laughs> Dan Dirks, Mission X. TPIA. So I'm, I'm excited about that. $95 million. It's all we need to raise. Everybody out there. Are you in? Are you in? I'm in. Okay. I'll all right. You- here's the choice. It's this or the Yeti expedition. 
Man, which will only I'll cost on if we get everybody to donate, donate their lunch money for tomorrow. <laughs> Olaf is ready to donate. Uh, he has uh, 24 billion rubles that he would like to uh, put your way. So I, I want to do just a touchback. I listened to one of our older podcasts, and I want to just touch back on something. We can cut this out. It's fine. Because I, I, I listened to them together, and a theme struck me. And I'm not quite sure if this is true from just making this up, but... We just had this talk. We talked at the top of the show how some scientists are trying to figure out what ETs would look like. And Brian. Yeah. What? You don't think aliens will come here? I think that aliens very likely exist, and I think that they very likely are looking for us. But I think that they're, if, if life is common enough that it, props, that, it, that it crops up all over the galaxy, that there's going to be so much of it that the odds of them finding us specifically are so extraordinarily small that it would be roughly equivalent. Like, yes, people have entomologists, you know, who are looking at bugs, and uh, and those people look at a lot of bugs, but do they find every specific ant man? Not so much. And, and not, and, and they don't find them. You know, once we're not more interested in anybody else. Uh, uh I, I'm not sure what trap you're laying for me, but I'm interested to hear more. <laughs> Because we don't spend enough time writing new material for our shows. <laughs> yeah, yeah, go on. I, I was listening to our podcast, and if you take the one where we talk about alien life, where you talk about you know why we're not important enough and significant enough, and then you lay, play it right next to the one where you start talking about I need you know you start going on this sort of hypothetical. Brian <laughs> needs to write more material for his show. Brian's not doing a good enough job. Brian's a failure. Brian's just, I'm like, wait a second. Brian's Brian, riddled with self-doubt, and he projects that onto all of humanity. All of humanity. <laughs> <laughs> so, the lesson, as always, humanity, write more material. I want to kill you to lose a few pounds. Exactly. We understand the, the bits are working pretty well, but are you bringing it all to the stage? And does she still love you, or does she tolerate you? All right, I think I've had enough. <laughs> Can we talk about books? All right, gentlemen, now's the time of the show where we make our recommendations to our audience. It could be movies, it could be television shows, it could be books, it could be comics. It could be books could about be... movies and television shows. Very, or movies about books that were about comics. There you go. Justin, I'm going to let you go first. <laughs> oh, thank you, Andrew. <laughs> um, I would like to actually, uh, again, very sincerely thank my friend for lending me two graphic novels that I very, very much enjoyed and would like to pass along. The first is a little one called Secret Identity. It's a Superman story written by Kurt Busiak. Is that how you pronounce his name? As far as I know. Uh, except it's not about Superman. It exists in a world where Superman is, as he is in our reality, a uh, character on television and comic books and movies an ideal it's about a yeah about, about about a young kid named uh kurt or clark kent uh humorously by his family that all of a sudden at the age of i guess it's like 14 or 15 finds out that he has superman's powers now you're listening to this saying well that sounds kind of stupid please read it it's so awesome and so well done and does what so many superman stories that aren't as good as they could be, failed to realize, which is that the 
when you have a character with unlimited powers, the biggest things you have to do is put very, very real problems and limitations uh, that guide the narrative. And this is almost entirely about those about those problems and really does a great job of using you know what we kind of take for granted as Superman's powers like you know moving so fast people can barely see him and use them in a very 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 important incredible way to the plot. So Kirk Busiak's uh secret identity and then also and it's something that I really really hope to go into a little bit more as I've read more of it but I'm starting to read uh Kirk Busiak's Astro City which I very much am, am enjoying. But uh, I guess we'll save that maybe for, for a later pick when I, I'm a little bit further into the series. There's a, a little bit of justification you get when some property or some book that you really liked that had a little bit of popularity and then it starts to increase and then you find out that it got optioned in a big way to make you know a movie and that happens so that always feels kind of cool or you see it get taken somewhere and that's the case that's happened with astro city where it's been optioned for a movie so i i think it would make a much better cable series television series but i love very astro very city. very episodic yeah yeah absolutely so i very uh, yeah very much look forward to your your assessment of that I have uh, I have two picks. One of my pick was actually going to be a Superman pick, and then the other one is not a Superman pick. I will let you gentlemen decide. Oh, I do them both because I mean, you know, Justin did okay. too. Ah, fair enough. So there is. I'll start with the non-Superman pick. Alan Moore is one of the greatest comic book writers ever. And those who are not familiar with Alan Moore, you're you're aware of his works. He wrote Watchmen. He wrote V for Vendetta. He's done a, a, a apparently a legendary run of Swamp Thing, which I have yet to read, but I've read a, a number of his stories, and I always find Alan Moore very interesting. Because one of the things that makes Alan Moore so great is he approaches comic books like literature, not in a dry sense, but understands the conventions of them, understands where the archetypes come from, can trace the lineage of a comic book character to where the character was based upon, existed before comic books, as was the case with Superman. I heard him in one of his books, actually the book I'm describing, describe Superman as a Wiley character. And I didn't know what a Wiley was. And I looked up what Wiley meant. And it turned out he was a uh, novelist who wrote several stories. And one of which involved sort of the supreme superior man type character, which once you read that story, it's called Gladiator. You'll realize that Superman, the original Superman from the original comics, was based entirely upon almost to the point that if it happened today, you would consider it maybe copyright infringement. Wow. Right he down was also, to the big G on his chest. Well, I didn't quite the the if you go read the original Superman, the sort of the origin stories, you'll see like how much it, it copies. And then he also, you know, the 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 Doc Savage type, he created that. And so he was one of these people who created a you know a number of these sort of genres. And so I learned about this stuff by reading comic books by Alan Moore. And one of his one of his best works, I think. Just perhaps, you know, the the thing that just got me thinking the most beyond, let's say, Watchmen is a run of a comic book he took over back in the 90s. There was a comic book called Supreme, and Supreme was written as a sort of dark version of Superman. The idea he was a bit more arrogant, he was very powerful, and not all that likable of a guy. 
the comic book was suffering, and the guy who wrote the Supreme character came in and said to Alan Moore, would you take over this comic for me? And Alan Moore said, sure, but the one condition is I get to start him over. I get to rewrite this character, and I get to tell the story I want to tell because I see him as totally a mirror of Superman. And so Alan Moore took over Supreme, and there are two volumes that have all of the Alan Moore editions collected together and one's called Superman excuse me Supreme story of the year and the other one the second one is called Supreme the return and it's a complete story except for I guess like the final chapter which wasn't there about this character and what it is is Supreme is it starts off where he's in the middle of what we call a retcon where the story is being started over and so he comes to the city and he runs into all these different versions of himself the story the version for the 1930s stories of him the 1950s version take every superman you've ever heard of and imagine him meeting because superman today the superman stories in 2010 are different than superman stories from 1950 and that's what happens to supreme is he comes in contact with the idea that his story keeps being told over and over again and it starts from there as his storyline begins to be solidified. It is a very, very meta approach towards telling this story. When they do flashbacks about what happened to him in his childhood, it's done in the form of a comic book that looks like a comic book from that period and that time, oh, not that's just in the look. Awesome. It, it gets deeper, even in the way that it's written. So if he has some flashback to like the late 60s when they were trying to, trying to do these sort of mad magazine, trippy sort of artwork and storylines, they did that. When he paired up with some sort of Justice League, the equivalent there, if it was a story that took place in 1965, it was very much like it would have been in that period. Is this is this the kind of comic where it's like you got to be a comic book guy in order to get all the references and the stylistic things they're doing? Some of them are very, very much on the surface. I think it's one of those things where if you've if you've read it's because it's a Superman archetype. If you just know a little about Superman and you've had adult conversations about Superman, <laughs> I guess. I mean, if you've talked about him going, I mean, hell, you're listening to the Weird Things podcast, yeah. so clearly yeah. you're yeah. in the club. Like I said, I learned a lot about comics by reading this and just sort of looking at more. I learned more about the history of comics than any book I ever read on the subject, which but would it's be called none. Supreme, you said. Yeah, Supreme, and then the first one is Supreme, the story of the year, and then the second edition is called Supreme, the return. Oh, so so these were these were your two picks, or this is just one of them? Just one pick. This is the Supreme story. All right. So I write, I, I wrote this up on our Blurbtastic site. I wrote some, you know, some of my observ, oh, some of my observations on it. And again, this the flashback storytelling is just brilliant. Characters, when he does flashbacks, behave like they did in the 60s. They, they have like, he has a, the sort of the Supergirl kind of, who in this case is his sister, his stepsister. And she's got all of the, she's very much a product of like the 50s with her sort of approach towards things. And so she's told that way. And it's very she much, if you read crimes com- by bacon cakes. Pretty much. I mean, she's, 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 she's an innocent. So the way I describe this, like, it's like if, you know, it's kind of like if two Kevin Smith characters, you know, were having a conversation about Superman. Right. And this is sort of what you'd end up with. So I very much like this. So you read Supreme and it deconstructs a lot of things about the Superman character and you get through it and you understand it has their own version of, you know, Lex Luthor. They kind of poke fun at all the Superman conventions. Any power he has is something supreme. So like he'll use his vision supreme. He'll use his hearing supreme. His, if he has his to brain think of, supreme. Oh yeah, no thinking supreme, absolutely. And so you kind of go, yeah, that was kind of silly. So that's first half of my pick. 
second half of the pick is All-Star Superman, which has been collected into, uh, there's volume one, and that was by Grant Morrison, who is a comic writer who sometimes I love, sometimes I just scratch my head and I can't quite go to the places he's going to. But All-Star Superman, after you read Supreme and you want to read another sort of a very postmodern take on Superman, it's fun. It's cosmic Superman, all the sort of adventures he gets into. They've got a great character called Dr. Q, who's kind of like a Doc Brown to Superman's Marty McFly. And Superman has to deal with the fact that he thinks that he's dying. And as meta as Supreme is, Superman just sort of says, okay, once you understand these conventions, I can still tell you a really cool Superman story. And it's also going to be a animated DVD release from DC. They've decided wow. to make that into a, a movie. So animated, but good enough. So that's my pick and a half. All right. Well, I I'm think, gonna be... uh, what's her face is Lois Lane. Mad Men, uh, Joan, Christina Hendricks. Oh, cool. So, to follow up on Justin's, obviously, we're all very excited about The Walking Dead coming out uh, this Halloween on AMC. Justin recommended the compendium. Uh, I was going to make my pick uh, World War Z to follow up on that theme, Max Brooks's awesome story uh, or collection of of tales, uh, The Oral History of the Zombie War. Uh, That's that's excellent. But uh, beyond, let's say, let's say, like Justin, you've read the compendium, or let's say, let's say right now you're about to make an impulse buy and you just want to get a bit of a story. It turns out that the first episode, the first issue of The Walking Dead is available absolutely for free to anyone on their iPad right now. If you download the image, really? the image application, the image comics app, and then the first episode is totally free. After that, episodes are $2 a piece, or you could get uh, the trades for nine ninety nine each, which I think you save a couple of bucks on doing them that way. But I got to tell you, I never thought I'd say this. Reading comic books on the iPad is superior to the experience of reading actual comic books because among uh, you can read it a page at a time or you can actually go frame by frame where you swipe. And so you don't like my eyes are they betray me. They jump ahead and they steal like, oh, something's coming up. I can see. I can see. And I'm just going, no, no, don't look. Go re- read <laughs> this dialogue. Don't look. Don't look. Well, and it's a problem for you in the locker room. when you're uh, yeah. It's a problem for me yeah. with novels, which is why I love audiobooks so much is because I'm forced to hear every single word the way it was intended by the writer. And so you could go through it frame by frame. But here's the best part. There are certain frames in The Walking Dead, if you've read it that are like two page spreads in those frames. It doesn't always show you the entire two page spread. It'll show you a section of it with the first bit of dialogue. And then it'll jump over to the other section of it with that bit of dialogue. And then it will pan out and give you the full context of what experienced it. It's amazing. It actually guides your eyes in a way that you couldn't get with the actual comic books. This is a case of technology making the art even better can't recommend it enough, especially since the first one is totally free. If you have an iPad, you've got to download the Image app and grab the first Walking Dead and get suckered into it because it's awesome. Boom. Get rookered into it. There you go. You went rookered. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been the Weird Things Podcast. It's been weird. Would you like a listener shout out or maybe sponsor the podcast? Email weirdthingsmail at gmail.com. The same address where you can make a suggestion or write your own scenario. Weird Things Mail 
at gmail.com.